What is shaking, everybody? Um, before we begin, just a quick word from our sponsor, Seamus Golf. Uh, Seamus Golf, purveyors and makers of handmade golf accessories, including head covers, hand-forged ball markers, uh, all, you know, I, for me to sit down and explain to you all the cool shit that Seamus is making would just be a podcast in itself. So in the meantime, visit seamusgolf.com, and when you do, use the promo code GOLFGUIDE15 and uh, save, a little bit, uh, save a little bit of cheddar on all your purchases for the month of April. And we're also brought to you by GolfGuide.net, as always. On today's podcast, uh, I got my buddy Ben, um, who you can also find on Instagram at SFGolfHawk. It's a really, really good stick, plays a lot of golf, plays a lot of uh, you know high-profile amateur events here, around here in California, so he really knows the game. And, you know, he's a caddy at a really kick-ass golf club down on the San Francisco Peninsula, so he is got, he's had a chance to just play a ton of great golf, and so... Being a you know just a golf course nerd uh, like I am, uh, it was just fun to talk and just pick his brain and just talk about some of his experiences and basically just shoot the shit about golf for an hour. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It, there's not really a theme. We kind of just chatted and whatever came out of my big fat mouth is just what you have the option to listen to. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I had a good time hanging out with Ben. Hopefully we get a chance to do it again soon. So in the meantime, please enjoy another episode of the Golf Guide podcast. All right. I had the record button, so that's perfect. All right. I went over this a little bit on the last podcast that I did where we went back over the Masters. What did you think about Sergio winning the Masters? Just some, some general thoughts, if, if you don't awesome. mind. This is great. Um, don't be afraid to hold that mic nice and close to your mouth. I, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, gosh, I know. Um, I know a lot of guys who, who actually bet that Sergio would win the Masters this year, and really, they just seemed like it, it's it seemed like it was going to be this year but i just didn't have the balls to be able to drop a 100 bucks on him like i probably should have and i know some of my friends did and it was a little bit of a good payout um mainly because he's never won a major <laughs> if you put 100 bucks on him you're probably gonna get a couple grand back <laughs> um it's just you know a mathematical thing did um so yeah, well, in to answer your question, I don't feel bad about him winning the Masters this year, mainly because he's as happy as he's ever been in his entire golf career, and he won. So, you know, that, that's it's kind of point. That's that's kind of the point right there. Um, you have a good, you know, happy woman in your life, and everything kind of starts kind of going well. You know, whatever profession you're in. Uh, whether it be golf or whether it be you know business, you know um, a good woman will bring light to to that. So um, you know, congratulations to him. You know, even though he's done a lot of shitty things in his career, uh, <laughs> and some of us don't don't <laughs> like him just as a person, <laughs> let alone a golfer. Um, but um, I think uh, I think it's it's good. He was he was very professional. Um, and he and, and, and he won, you know. So, 
Gosh, you got you, you got to give it to the guy. You got to give it to the guy. Can Can I ask you what you think about having a lovable loser? The reason the Chicago Cubs were always so wonderful is because every sport needs a loser, just a, a great, awesome team that just doesn't nothing better than lose in the most painful way possible. It's a wonderful tragic love story with their fan base that's a it's a it's a, always a great storyline in any sport baseball had theirs ruined last year with the cubs sergio was golf's last hope the guy who was always really great had the beautiful golf swing just couldn't win always blew it said stupid racist things about tiger bad fried chicken jokes yet he was a lovable foreign loser and now that he's won Golf has lost one of its best storylines. And for that reason, I'm a little bit disappointed. And that's why I was rooting for Justin Rose. Is that, is that, cra- is that crazy? That is not crazy at all. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, first off, I don't think that the, the golf world will halt on uh, finding someone else to write about. That's definitely not going to be... Uh, I am happy for Sergio. Yes. I, on a human level, I'm definitely happy for Sergio. But... It's. I think it's bad for the storyline of golf that it Sergio is. won. They still yes. They'll find something else though. But um. But uh. But the the fact that Sergio you know eventually won is 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 really it's 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 good for golf. It's, it's also it's also good for golf. It's it's good for golf. Um. I just didn't like it for selfish reasons. <laughs> as, as, <laughs> as 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 many of us you know. Uh, um. You know, his his fiery actions. You know the way he would, you know, sometimes spit in the cup if he wasn't playing well, or if he'd say he's gonna quit and uh, just take time off. You know, um, anybody who plays a lot of golf just doesn't really take lightly to some kind of those actions. So <laughs> I'm not surprised that some people are probably offended. But the one thing that I would like to say is that you know, if he was gonna win somewhere. The Masters is probably the best place for him to win. That's the crowd that's going to accept him the most. If he wins at the if he wins at the U.S. Open or the PGA, he's been criticized. I mean, think about the the, the times he's been criticized in the past for all the waggles or or you know the people yelling at him and 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 you know how can you not react to that? So at the Masters, you know that place you can't even run from bathroom to a hole without getting someone to tell you to stop. I mean, the place just is, is class, you know, coming from out of the tops of the dogwood trees. It's, it's, it's crazy. So the crowd there, if they're going to boo him, you're going to get kicked out. I mean, you're not going to be able to watch the rest of the tournament. (laughs) So, if if he's going to win anywhere, it's going to be at a place that's going to, you know, embrace him. And, and a lot of that stuff is genuine. That's not just because they have to like him because, you know, otherwise they're going to be kicked out. They they really enjoy, you know, the story of him winning. And, you know, the crowd there is just happy because, it, because, because it's Augusta. You know, they're going to embrace any winner. I mean, people probably weren't happy about Danny Willett winning the Masters. But, you know, when he won and when he made birdie on 16 and he held strong at the end, that's the true form of a champion. And everyone's going to give praise to that. So, same thing happened to Sergio. All right. Benjamin, you're a very good golfer. 
you you are a better than scratch golfer. So I have to ask you your opinion. What do you think of Sergio Swing? Do you like Sergio Swing? I um, I do. I do like his swing. I think his distance, distance control with his wedges. How can you be that spot risky? Spot on. It just. If I, I feel like people shouldn't be able to move the wrists that much and just be that consistent. It, it's like it almost makes it more <laughs> remarkable. The the move is early, and um, his impact position is diabolical. It's really really good. Um, he traps the crap out of the ball. He's an excellent driver of the golf ball. Um, he's got he's got really good hands. He's probably the best person with a loop in his swing besides Jim Furyk. I mean, name name yeah. someone else that has a loop in their swing that can play some decent golf. Yeah, you so, know. So uh, he's always had it. It's natural. Um, I think. I think it's good. I think I, I mean he's got so much speed, and and you want speed in golf, and he hits it hard, he hits it, he hits it low. He can play in all kinds of conditions. He can hit it high, he can hit a left, he can hit it right. Um, sometimes he's a little steep, and sometimes I'm not a fan of of, of some of his divots. But uh, over, overall, <laughs> overall, you can't really you know, complain. He just you know, won the Masters. Not a, not a divot fan. Yeah. <laughs> well, my whole life, I, in my <laughs> golf swing, I've been trying to, I've been trying to shallow that shit out. <laughs> so, last thing I want to do is see a pellet flying, you know, further than my golf ball. <laughs> oh man! Well, Jim Furyk, yay or nay on the Jim Furyk bandwagon? I am a big fan of a guy that can go to a random golf mart, pick up a yes putter, and win a golf tournament. That's true talent right there. <laughs> that guy is just a fucking maniac. <laughs> and then never That's fantastic. Be- <laughs> I'm completely unfamiliar with what you're... And then never putt with it ever again. Wait, wait. Oh, Gosh, I think that was like the farmer's, was like the farmer's insurance open or something like no that. No way. Yeah, he went into like a local golf mart, picked out a yes putter named Sophia, which would be the look <laughs> of like, like the Wilson 8802. I know you're blown away because I'm, ra- I'm like, have weird golf, golf information. Like this is this. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, this, is, so this, is, this is gold. But uh, it's, I'm trying to get the people that are listening to picture this putter. Or if, if they know yes putters, they know the Sophia's. It's like um, a Wilson 8802. It's, um, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful putter. It has a little um, grooved face, so it gets the ball rolling a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he just walked into the the store, started putting with it for a few minutes. Like, all right, I'll take this. Bought it for like thirty nine dollars, <laughs> and went out and putted with it that week and won the damn golf tournament. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love stories like that. <laughs> I'm sorry for all the people that don't like puns out there, but uh, yes, yes. <laughs> gosh. But the best <laughs> one's got to be Mark Kalkovecchia as he lost his clubs and ended up playing with a rental set and won the golf tournament that week. And then the next week, he couldn't even make a three-footer with the putter and threw it in his garage. <laughs> Stuff like that is just makes you know how, how, makes you know how, how, how good those guys are. I mean, it's just phenomenal golf. Dude. Yeah, that's great. That's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's like, it's crazy how someone like could be a scratch golfer, like, 
better than almost everybody. And then you can be like a plus one, a plus two, a plus three like you, even a plus four. And somehow being that insanely good at golf, it's like there's still a huge margin between a plus four and a plus five, a plus five and a plus six, and a plus six and a plus seven. There's like a big difference between each one of those strokes. There's not that much of a big, there's not that much of a difference between a seven and an eight. There's not. There's not. The well, strokes mean a lot more when you get when, when you get into that range. Did it, it's, it's crazy. The difference there is probably <laughs> people who are sandbaggers. Someone who's a seven who's probably more like a two or a three. That's <laughs> listed as a seven. And the difference good for, between good for that man. Yeah. And the difference between a plus a plus six and a plus seven is probably just you know not much. Maybe someone who can just go a little bit lower. And there, I mean, you don't you won't see someone like that unless they're on tour. But anybody like that can can, can just can just go low, like any day, any, low low, any day of the week. Even on you know a course where you're playing a tournament and you're thinking, gosh, I mean, it's tough out here today. I mean, the, the best score might be somewhere around par, and you get in there and someone shot you know sixty seven or or sixty eight. You're thinking, gosh, that's just that's so so good, and. uh <laughs> And those guys are usually are usually really really good players, so um, that's a perfect example of someone who's probably more like a plus plus four plus five, someone who could just play, you know, three or four strokes better than even a scratch player in shitty conditions or even prime conditions, and just take advantage of the scoring opportunities. Yeah. Shit, damn man, that is a game that I am not familiar with. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> I. Like to say I watch it more than I, than I do it. But uh, sometimes I can get it going. I can. Uh, gosh, I shot, I shot sixty three at Poppy, um, in October last year. It was, it was technically it was. Um, Is that your all time low? Yeah, but it was it was a best ball match, so I can't really say it was it was official. Um, um, my partner was. Not playing the best, but uh, I ended up. I ended up. No putting, disrespect. I ended up putting my ball out on every hole. Um, it just kind of worked out that way, just with our matches. Even though he was making a lot of pars, and um, the putts that he was having, I was when he when he was closer, I was even having him go first, so that I, so that I could just give it a run because I was kind of on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up having nine birdies, one bogey, um, shot sixty three on a par seventy one. Uh, birdied uh, the last three holes, just just won the match, and had just a a, a career round, and um, so that's something I did once. And you know these guys are, are are shooting you know scores like that on a on a on a weekly basis, trying to prepare for golf tournaments. So that just goes to show you how good they are. It's just. It's just wild to think that somebody can go out there and like legitimately shoot like sixty two, sixty three. Yeah. About some guys have shot fifty nine. Yeah, I'm I'm playing a uh, tournament later this year at Spyglass, and Phil Mickelson shot sixty two, and I've I've played that course you know fifteen times, and I I've, I think I've shot sixty two maybe through fourteen holes, <laughs> <laughs> fifteen holes. I think I've shot 69 out there once, and I played like the round of my life. 
and that was like in a match play thing scenario where you're just you're kind of kind of going for more stuff and being a little more aggressive and things were kind of going in that day but it's drug play to shoot 62 at spy glasses that's just fucking unbelievable that it's seems so insane like do you think spyglass is the most difficult golf course on the monterey peninsula i think i think so um I think you can get the greens at Cypress probably a little bit more crazy um, in some in, in some aspects where you can almost put the ball off the green um, on every hole. And uh, but Spyglass is probably you know the course where you're going to have the the toughest test just because you're going to be putting longer clubs. Pebble you know. from the tips, from like the the, t- <coughs> the tournament tips. Oh, sorry, I mean Spyglass. No spyglass, but do, yeah. do you think Pebble is up there? Like if you're playing from like the the tippy tips. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Pe- Pebble can Pebble can be a pretty difficult golf course if they have it set up for like a tournament. They got to play it. I mean, I it, can't recall exactly how how far they play it from the the back tees, but I don't really know how easy it is to play from those back tournament tees if you're just playing there. Gosh, definitely. The so if you get if you get Pebble firm, that's when it becomes the monster, um, because the greens are so small. Um, it's really hard to get it close to the hole, and if if the place is is somewhat soft, the greens are so small, the landing spots are small. You're going to be shooting below the hole, land the ball below the hole. The ball is going to take a bounce and stop. In the U.S. Open, the ball is going to take a bounce. It's going to bounce past the hole. If you're putting downhill, you got to be conservative. It's just hard to make birdies and be aggressive. You know. Um, you know, stuff like that kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a U.S. Open setup that's going to make Pebble yeah. kind of be a bitch. But everyday golf, you know, Spyglass is probably going to be the definitely the toughest course down there. Hmm. No Pacific Grove? No Pacific Grove. <laughs> Poor man's Pebble. <laughs> Monterey Pines might be coming there as a, as a close second. Monterey Pines is pretty great. It's not that bad. You know what? Del Monte is just the biggest sleeper in that whole area. I mean, it's so so good. I I'm a Del Monte fanboy, so they, I perfect. I'm not going to disagree we're, with you. Yeah, we can we can talk all. about Del Monte probably yeah. all day Cheers. long. Del Monte, it, it's just I've never not had a ton of fun when playing that golf course. I don't, I don't really know how much more eloquently or simply I could put it. It's just it's just a really fun round of golf. I play in the Monterey um, City Amateur there every year, in three rounds. Just can't wait to get down there every year. Course is in great shape. Those greens, those greens get nasty fast for that tournament. Like you don't, like, you don't want to be above the hole at all. Kind of like talking about Pebble being firm. You just can't can't be above the hole. Hmm. Ball will go off the green. You can putt it off the green on multiple par threes out there, and. Uh, Something you don't see for regular play, but uh, you know it's fun. Hmm. Almost a little bit too much. Interesting. But Poppy, the new Poppy, it, that place. Do you like the new Poppy? I do. The more you play it, the more you like it. Probably. Okay. It's I played. It, I played it once. I thought. I thought it was okay. The new one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, by okay, I, mean, I thought. I thought it was good. Like, it's better than the old one. Yeah. I, you know, there's a couple of holes that are. Like, okay. You know, I mean, this is good, but we also could have done, you know, some different stuff here. Mm-hmm. 
Like 12, I think people have a big problem with 12 still. Just because of the amount of shots that are limited, you know, for the area. Um, mm-hmm. You can I'm, four try, I'm trying to play through the back side of my head. Like yeah, 10's sorry. a par 5, 11's a par 3. But they switch the opposite way. So 11's going, 11's like 165, 170. Mm-hmm. And then 12, you walk up on the hill, and then you go down. It's like a straightaway par four where bunkers are kind of in play on both sides yeah, of the fairway. with cross bunkers on both sides. And it used to be a dogleg right par five. Oh. That used to be a par five? So they put the par three where the par five used to be, where like the, the dogleg used to end. Mm. So now it's like a 170, like 170 par three. But the 12th hole really is kind of a shitty you know not very climactic par four where you get four iron down the middle of the fairway and it can go in the bunker up against the lip and you've hit a perfect and that's just not supposed to happen when you've hit a perfect shot to your yardage and it just runs out up against the lip of a bunker why don't you hit driver dude yeah yeah then you can hit it five yards right and then it can bounce ob <laughs> It's just really, <laughs> it's really a weird hole. You, 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 you have a very small margin. And then you can also hit some really bad shots and get lucky. It's, it's, I don't know. That's one of the holes that is just, when you have a, when you're playing a tournament, you have a plan. You come to the hole, you're, you're, it's a round ruiner. Like you can, <laughs> I'm just maybe I'm just so mad about that hole. Like it's ruined some tournaments for me. I've I've come into that hole and and uh, and made six a few times and and it's cost me a tournament or two. So I I have a personal issue against number twelve at Poppy Hills. You have a personal beef. Yes, yes, I do. Um, but the rest of the golf course is uh, is good. You know, knowing that it's been my personal, my personal best, and that one time I shot, I shot sixty three out there, I almost birdied twelve. I but probably should have, but you didn't birdie twelve. I hit driver actually, and I hit driver but down in front see, of the green. You took my advice. You just sacked up and you just hit the big dog. Good I for know. you. But you know what they can do is they <laughs> put they they put the tee up to the forward tee, and then you have real options where you can actually you know hit. It's somewhat of a hybrid down there and have like a wedge, you know, you can land it short and let it run on. And you can take driver and try to land it on the downslope and, you know, and, and run it onto the green. But when the tee's back, it's it, that's when it's kind of a shitty hole. Uh, so it's better as like a short par four. It's great as a short par four, actually. That sounds great. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I should have said that the first time. Then I wouldn't sound like an asshole. <laughs> 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 I mean, short par fours are the most. See, here's the thing. As somebody who's not a really, really good golfer, for me, short par fours are the most fun types of holes to play for me. Yeah. Because you're thinking d- d- you have a chance at least making it a par. Yeah, for sure. And, and maybe a really <laughs> or good, a birdie. And if I had a good shot off the tee, like I should be thinking like, yeah, hey, man, I, I can make birdie here. Yeah, I can make birdie, exactly. And is Do really good players get the same kind of thrills out of short par fours that not like players that aren't quite as good because for you guys you're almost thinking like dude i need to make two like it's a part three actually uh, 
Well, it depends on how you're feeling that day. Some guys are probably thinking, <laughs> it's you know, how can I not fuck this up? <laughs> how can I just, how, how can I find some way to like not make myself hit driver and uh, and you know hit it OB or up against the lip in a bunker and make six where I should be making three? Um, so most of the times, you know, a, a good player will will lay up, you know, and and hit a wedge shot. Um, and you can see it in certain good players' eyes. They have like a tenacity. They're like, I'm gonna hit driver, and they 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 they're or they're or they're, or they're somebody that just hits driver really really well, and they're just gonna pound driver no matter what. And uh, they probably hit it well. Sometimes they don't, but um, most of the time they'll probably just rip it up on the green because they just have that that just that thought that they that they see the shot. They're they're just gonna they're just gonna hit it but most guys i mean i'll, I'll lay up 90 percent of the time unless it's downwind or i can hit it to a spot where i can probably know i can make birdie if i don't hit it my exact perfect drive you don't feel like that with your driver yeah i'm going to hit driver i'm going to driver on every par four and yeah. par five period yeah. do not take the driver out of my hand i've definitely gotten over that issue <laughs> once, once i see someone hit it 40 yards by me i realize that like i just don't need to hit driver everywhere. <laughs> I, could, I, I could hit three wood to their, you know, 340 hard drive and still make the same score. Because <laughs> unless you're on tour, you're probably not being able to take advantage of long drives. Yeah, that's true. That's sadly true. Yeah. Can, can you still be pretty good and not, like, not hit the ball more than, like, 260 or 270 off the tee on the PGA Tour? Most of the t- PGA Tour average is, like, 275, 280. Can can you be competitive only hitting it like two sixty off the tee? Oh yeah, uh, gosh, who the guy that's that plays in the Masters every year? Um, that's an amateur. Who's actually a member? Uh, Jeff Knox. I love hearing that guy's story. He's so cool. Um, whenever whenever there's an odd number of players in the Masters, this guy always plays the weekend, and um, he hit probably he probably hits it, you know, two fifty two sixty. He just knocks it up there, you know, five feet from the green, and then just gets up and down every time. But uh, he oh, beats—he normally beats whoever he plays with. He's beaten Rory. He's beaten Sergio. Sergio actually got pretty upset about it. Uh, of course he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In the light that we were talking of, uh, not liking him. <laughs> but he's changed. He's changed. Um, yeah, so that's that's a good example of someone who hits it short and can play even though he's not on a tour. Uh, uh, Brian Gay. Brian Gay hits it short, plays really well. I mean, Zach Johnson's not long. Uh, Is Zach Johnson like only 260 off the tee, though? I don't think he's, he's a little longer than that. Yeah, he's got to be a little longer. But than he's that. just much, he's much lower than, you know, PGA Tour standards as far as someone who's considered a long player. He's already got perfect old man game. Exactly. <laughs> he's got the draw going too. At least, at least not hitting a fade. Um, is gosh, is it better to hit a draw than a fade? Uh, gosh, it's so much harder to control a draw. It really is. Yeah. It really is. You see, you'll see, you'll see more people as they get older learn to control a fade rather than draw. Hmm. And a lot of younger kids will be hitting draws just because they want to see that ball turn over rather than cut. It certainly is a little more pleasing. 
Watch it turn over. Yeah, it's usually, it's usually going high. Um, it's usually going further. It makes sense that I had a fade. Yeah, <laughs> you know, ninety percent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I cut the ball too. Oh man! Hey, but when you get older and you start trying to play tournament golf and you start trying to play for money and you know play for like a USJ spot or something, and you want to hit a fairway. I mean, the last thing you're trying to do is hit a high draw as far as you can. I mean, you want to get that fucker in play. That seems like a risky. That seems like a risky yeah. proposition. You know, so <laughs> if. If 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 I'm if I'm coming down to the wire in a, in a tournament and I've got water left and a bunker right and I got to hit a, a fairway, you know I'm gonna trust, you know my swing that I've built where I can hit a little baby cut or a fade rather than someone that's gonna be trying to, you know pound a high draw you know forty yards by me. And if they do, then you know good job, congratulations. And if they hit the, and if they can hit the shot closer and make the putt, then you know good that's a good job too. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, distance is definitely, um, a bit overrated, but the guys on tour who hit it far are, are able to take advantage of the distance. So that's, that's, that's what's happening now. Hmm. They're, they're hitting it really far, really straight, and they're hitting it really close to the hole after that. That seems like a winning combination for playing really good golf. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Apparently, Dustin Johnson uh, is is that combination. <laughs> All right, I pitched this. Uh, it's it, it's a question I like to ask to random people, but random people that know a lot about golf, I should say, not just random, just men or women I see on the the streets. Yeah. <laughs> would yeah, you like to see? Point. <laughs> would you like to see a major golf tournament that only allowed hickory clubs and like old balls? Gosh, oh, not those of of men, just old golf balls. Well, and, they, that, and I have like the, the the professionals play like yeah. an old old school like hickory tournament once every year. What what are your thoughts, or do you think that's too gimmicky? Well, the hickory, um, the hickory golf society has a uh, it. It's a national society. Has mm-hmm. tournaments all over the East Coast. I mean, I'm not sure of of too many West Coast things, but I've I've played with a couple people that have actually, um, gosh, I played with a guy that worked at Duke, um, and uh, and he was he, he gave me his card. He was telling me about some 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 really cool hickory stuff, but um, most of that stuff's in like Mid Pines area, uh, like Pinehurst. You got a lot of like guys are Carolina Sandhills. Exactly, the guys mm-hmm. are dressed in you know. Uh, you know, Payne Stewart stuff, and they're all wearing, you know, Ben Hogan hats, and they got their cigars, and they're they're smoking their stogies, and they're playing with hickory stuff. The role you know, playing, and then and they 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 have national tournaments, national qualifiers. They play at a cr- cricket club, um, and I, I think the pros would it, it'd be fun to to see them, you know, try to do it, but. It, it would it wouldn't really catch on in any kind of a way. How? I just it, it it it's a whole different um different style. Uh you know, it, it's like it's like comparing uh classic cars to um you know, like a like a like a, a classic 
like it's a it's like comparing um an old Cadillac to like an old Maserati. Like the Maserati is just like a like a really cool like race car. And the old Cadillac's cool, but it's just it's just a whole different type of a style. And the Hickory is like the Cadillac and like the old like old school like, you know, Chicago golf club course is like, you know, the Maserati. Like that's kind of the way to put it. But is there any way to make it into like a big time event where like a lot of big players treat it like a really big tournament every year? Like, and it's actually like a, a real tournament where people are trying to win. It's not like an exhibition. It's like guys competing to win with Hickory clubs, like who are really, really good. Doesn't that sound like unbelievably fascinating? It does. It does. And it would probably bring out some like a, like a whole different crowd. Of, uh, I mean, some guys would just be like, screw that. I'm not going to waste my time screwing my game. You know, it's once a year. I'm not going to try to, you know, hit a, hit a, you know, a weird compression golf ball with, you know, wooden clubs. So what you're saying is they need to have an entire hickory portion of the schedule. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> something that they would probably have to, would have to do, but. In order to have to have that to have like, it, it would have to be more charity based. It just I don't think they would ever have because they would be too mindful of what it would do to the regular golf game. They would they wouldn't want to have to get used to how far the ball is going. It, it would it would it would annoy them that that they couldn't judge distance. It would annoy them that they couldn't, you know, hit the ball as far as they wanted to. I mean, they would have to test and figure all that, all that stuff out, and then that would just would just take too much time, and they would really get too much. They would get too annoyed with it, and then some of the top guys just wouldn't play, and then that's what would bring all the money. Is the, is, is the top guys playing? So what? What if they just toss Speed or Rory or or Ricky a bunch of money, just like a. Just a savagely fat, you know, like, what was it, like a participation fee or, you know, just the fee you get for showing up and playing? Someone told me Spieth would do it. I'm not, I'm not sure if Rory would. If it's enough money, Rory will do it. That's true. He's got, man's got to get paid, though. <laughs> he's in demand. He's successful. He's buffed. He deserves a lot of money. Shit, maybe Rory would do it. He's fucking Irish. <laughs> I mean... It could be really fascinating. I, I think our theory is that you could pull it off if you if you put it somewhere like, you know, like like a Cypress or something like that. Something that's right yeah. up there with like Augusta, and you you know, have the guys play it at sixty three hundred yards, yeah. sixty four hundred yards, and just just see what happens. Just a little blast from the past. Gosh, Crystal Downs would be fun with hickory sticks. Heck yeah, they could they could uh, it could be one of those uh, tournaments that like rotates between a couple of courses. But only has like a small roto, like a British Open style roto, where it only is like, you know, six to twelve courses that it rotates between. You should, you you should, you should, or it should be like one of the rounds of like the British Open. You should be able to. You should have to play the final round with hickory sticks. <laughs> you, only, you only play one round with the, with the hickory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like. Or you There's should, or you, or you, should, you got to play all of them. With or Hickory's. you should, or you should have to play. Yeah, you should have to play the whole four, all four rounds. <laughs> Not just the final. If you're lucky, you have to make it to the final round. You should have to play with Hickory's. Dance. No, bro. Hickory, Hickory's 
throughout. Once you start finish, to finish, once you finish your third round, you have to go to the range and switch clubs completely, and you go to hickories. <laughs> Or you're just forced to wake up in the morning and never know where the ball's going and just play with hickories and just everyone just have a shootout. <laughs> just, Man. That'd be kind of fun. I might get that might get some good betting going. I mean Vegas would go crazy. They wouldn't know what to do. Man. Just a, a real <laughs> tournament where you just like sneak attack them? Oh god, that would just be I mean the the royal nation they they they'd, they'd be so upset we're even talking about this on a podcast. They'd be like t- they'd be just they probably they're 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 gonna contact you. <laughs> like God damn it! Why are oh. you even Why are you even bringing up this idea? It's a much better idea than they have. You know, it's like T- Tim Fincham should be calling us for exactly. We're we're gonna get tournament we're gonna advice. Get, we're gonna get credit for this. Well, just so everybody knows, we're recording this on Tuesday, April eighteenth. 2017. <laughs> so when they when they end up coming out with this, we're gonna look back to this day at 10:26 p.m. Pacific Coast Standard Time. We're we we are going to transfer transform the British Open to Hickory Golf. Oh, we're doing this at the British Open. Yes, it has to be Jesus. the British Open. Jesus. It can't be. This is the only one you can legitimately do it to. You can't do it, or maybe Augusta. But you like, can't do it to what, yeah, like, like what the if you PGA played the what if you played the member the tees, the member tees from Augusta, at like sixty two, sixty three hundred yards with like hickories. Yeah, that that actually would be a super entertaining golf tournament. You'd watch people just chunk it into the pond on the fifteen, like yeah. every day, all yeah. day long. Fuck them, it's perfect. <laughs> just leading edge, just <laughs> destroyed, nine foot divot. See you later. Perfect. It sounds like. <laughs> Riveting, entertaining golf from a from a viewing standpoint. Or just skull it off the green, just hit people in the shins on sixteen t. Dude, how great does that sound? <laughs> that, dude, that sounds so killer. It'd actually, be pretty entertaining <laughs> just That's watching a, them suck. That, that just sounds unbelievable. Like I don't, see, you know, there's going to be a couple guys out there that feel pretty good. And yeah, that, and that'll well, be someone's going to play well. Someone's oh, going to play. Someone's going to play you, really good. You'd have some really interesting. Oh yeah, interesting winners, dude. Someone would play. Because then, like, would those so guys like, like we were talking about before that like maybe hit a 260 off yeah, the tee? Yeah. Maybe now the difference in drives isn't that much. Yeah. And maybe all these guys start taking over the tour yeah. from 62, 6300 yards. Fuck yeah. Well, what would happen is it would like like. The versatility of of golf shots would like come into play so much where, like you can you can use the bounce of the club, you can use, you know, the leading edge, you know, you can stand the club up, you know, you can kind of lay the shaft down a little bit more to like, you know, play with the spin angles, you know, you can you can you can do all that kind of stuff with, you know, the people who know how to play that type of shot, and they would probably be able to get up and down and you know more sticky situations than someone who is just kind of a power player. Hmm. You know, especially, and I, I think it, it would be fun, but it'd be really hard to get it to take off. That'd be, you know. Just one hickory tournament. Just let all the big boys settle it for four days, stroke play. Maybe they already do it and they just don't broadcast it. That would suck. I'd want to be in on that. 
or spring. So does everybody in the British Open have to play? Everybody in the final round play with Hickory? Or just no, just all four rounds. The, like you have that, that. That's that's what you do. All four rounds, British Open, Hickory sticks. <laughs> you don't want to sneak attack him on the final, on the final round anymore. <laughs> yeah, that would just be too much. <laughs> that would be too brutal. <laughs> You can't do that. You can't do that. That's, that's not right. That'd be a rough way to be. <laughs> That'd be rough. Uh, yeah, I'd have to apologize after in that tournament. <laughs> uh, that's great. All right. I got a question for you, man. You've uh, you got extensive Bay Area golf knowledge, both in the North Bay and on the San Francisco Peninsula. What, which, which golf courses do you enjoy talking about more? North Bay or like the Peninsula? I would. Uh, it's it's a bit of a toss up just because I love Maya comments Sonoma, um, and Bennett Valley as a public course just just hits home for me real hard. But uh, I mean, having you know Sonoma up here, and then having um, SF Club and and Cal Club uh, down on the peninsula is those courses are just so good. It's hard not to kind of praise those, praise those ones a little bit more and talk about a little bit more classic architecture, which is more of my style, and and kind of going over that some of that kind of stuff. Even though Sam Whiting did Sonoma and did Lake Course, um, gosh, yeah, I, I just SF Club is so good, and it's one of the top courses in the world, and uh, you know. Lake course with all its US US opens. Yeah, it's hard not to have those have have those two kind of be the, the brunt of your of your golf topic. So why can't uh, San Francisco Golf Club host US Open? Well it's too easy. <laughs> it's too easy of a golf course. They don't they, <laughs> don't, they just don't have enough land. And uh w- would they be able to if they stretched it out? They no, they they wouldn't. They wouldn't really because the bunkers were too spaced out that they wouldn't be in play if you narrowed the fairways. Hmm. Um uh yeah, it just it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good venue for the best players in the world. It'd have to be under 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 certain conditions. Probably like maybe an east wind. Hmm. Um or the course is probably playing its toughest. But if it was under you know, kind of a cool, calm day I mean, those guys are just going to destroy it. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know, I think actually like courses like San Francisco Golf Club, I wish there were more of those. And those are the courses that are like geared towards the regular golfer having a fantastic time more so than testing the best players in the world. You know what I mean? Like a course like that, um, I mean, courses that are 6,600 yards from the tips. You know, yeah, yeah. Like old, old older courses. I, lo- I love that that trend of golf. And we were talking about Tom Doak earlier. I mean, it seems like almost all of his golf courses kind of fit that mold, where he he doesn't find himself building courses that are designed to be played by the best golfers in the world, or it's not at least not designed with them in mind. It's designed with more an average golfer in mind and their enjoyment while still trying to provide as much of a challenge as possible. It, w- would you agree with that? Or, and it would, would you say that that kind of would define San, Fr- 
San Francisco? Yes, I would. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I've actually. Sorry, I'm a little. I'm a little. I'm a little barbecued. It took me a while to get that out. <laughs> um, no, I would. I would. I would. I would definitely agree with that. Uh, um, gosh, I would say. I've talked to. I've talked to Tom, um, a couple times, and he's just. He's just a fabulous guy, and um, his philosophy on on golf courses is definitely to be able to, you know, challenge the challenge the the best players in the world and um keep it fun you know for the for the people that that are the highest handicaps um san francisco golf club and the fact that he's he does all the consulting work there and um and the and me having the privilege of being able to caddy for him and talk to him a lot about his work out there um has has been really great um he's just a visionary and um a savant in the golf business uh his ways of 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 seeing you know the way trees and and bunkers and um shots kind of you know come into play is uh is fascinating and um i'd love to be able to try to play as many golf courses um as he's designed as i possibly can uh gosh um i'd say sf club is probably one of the best courses in the area and the most walkable golf courses. The idea that they first had when building that golf course was to have a championship championship golf course on the West Coast. I don't think that they realized that golf was going to be as easy as it is now for the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. So that place just doesn't really stand up to the people that can hit it. You know, it doesn't test the best. It, w- it wouldn't test the best players in the world, like uh, like Wingfoot or uh, hmm. you know, like Baltistral or the, the, you know, like LACC courses, just- courses that are just much more just have much more land to work with. Um, they're just you know much more of a beast. Is LACC's piece of land pretty big? LACC. I mean, I know they have two courses. It's huge. Yeah, it's really big. That course is going to be a monster for the US Open. You think so, huh? Oh gosh. I, there's gonna be some brutal scores being put up there? There's definitely gonna be some brutal scores. <laughs> but I mean like the the top, like the winner. The winner is gonna be somewhere around par at L A C C. It's gonna be somewhere around par. Okay. Maybe two under, but it's not gonna be if you had a, if you had an open at SF Golf Club, mm-hmm. the winner would be you know, twenty under. Gosh, you know it would be. Even if they, they, would, if, if they pimped it out with they like would you know, destroy. Uh, rolled all the greens and made made it like, obviously like let's say they keep the fairways kind of wide just to keep all the the bunkers in play. If but they, they just yeah. make yeah the greens and everything around the greens and the rough like the rough really long, and then the greens really 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 fast. Yeah, it'd still be. It'd still be somewhere in probably about like twenty under. It'll be yeah. it'll be it'll be over ten, I'd say. Okay, at least ten under par. It's just it's just too easy of a golf course. The ball would be in play too much for them, you know, to be able to hit a hit a bad shot and then be able to recover. Their their misses aren't very bad. Yeah, misses are small. The ball, I mean, they they would hit fourteen fairways. Almost, almost every round, the ball would, and playing out of the fairway is so big for those guys. If they can play out of the fairway, you know, it's it's almost like ball in hand. 
So a place like LACC where you're going to be hitting pound driver 320 and you're hitting five iron. You know, next hole, you know, you pound driver, you know, you're hitting hybrid, you know. You know, you pound driver the next hole and you're hitting, you know, four iron. Hmm. I mean, it's 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 holes like that uh, that are going to, you know, continually test, you know, the best players in the world. And, and LACC definitely has that, you know, 100% more than SF Club and, you know, maybe even a little bit more than Olympic Club. I'm super excited to watch the U.S. Open at LACC. I think that's going to be a really, really entertaining golf tournament. I'm excited to watch the Walker Cup this year. Wait, now, where's the Walker Cup located this year? It's at LACC. Okay. It's LACC. So it is LACC. Yeah. The Walker Cup lineup for like the next several years is uh, pretty dope. And the U.S. Amateur is also because it's gonna it's on it's on its West Coast swing. The U.S. Amateur is going to be at Riviera this year, and then it's at Pebble, and then it's I think it's somewhere else on the West Coast. I'm not too familiar, but I think it's like three it's in three separate. West Coast spots the next three years, hmm. which is awesome. Sounds I mean, great. I've been waiting for it to come to the West Coast for years. Well, I, I wish there was more U.S. Opens on the West Coast. And I know it's like not really quite fair because there's a West Coast swing on the PGA Tour every year. Yeah. The weather's better. And there's a lot of those other great courses that you just can't play any other time of the year. So they try to give them the middle, you know, middle of summer tournaments, which include the U.S. Open. But man, when there's like the West Coast is great for golf all the time. I wish it was just more more golf out here. There's so many great courses that never get any like middle of the summer play on the on tour to testing the guys. Oh gosh. So yeah. just a couple courses on the West Coast swing are locked in. There's all those other courses on the West Coast. Not allowed. I'll tell you though, from my knowledge, all the PJ tour guys love coming to the west coast i mean the yeah. courses that they play are really really good and it's nice to not play in bermuda yeah it's nice to also be on the west coast <laughs> <laughs> i mean those guys travel all over the world and coming to the west coast is definitely one of their highlights for um, sure and the courses that they i mean the riviera is for sure one of their absolute favorite spots can't be Something that they would ever want to miss. I mean, you got Hideki Matsuyama coming out. I mean, gosh, guy like that coming to a Riviera. I mean, best player in the world at the time. Didn't play very well, but uh, it's a hot spot. Everyone wants to come there. You know, Dustin plays it every year. Tiger was trying to play. Um, gosh, yeah, I mean, that place is just fantastic. I, I have not played there yet, and I said the very top of my list is there any other golf courses on like the west coast that you think could and would be awesome to see like a, a tour event be hosted at that may actually have a realistic chance of doing so gosh uh cow club cow club would be such a good spot to have a pro event that would be a great spot it'd yeah. be really really good yeah i don't doubt it um that would probably be my number one the the new dunes course Monterey on uh, Monterey Peninsula is is pretty good. Okay, so that would I, definitely be able to host a PGA event. I always get the the two courses down there confused. One was originally a Seth Rayner course. Yeah, the Dunes course. Now that's when you're referring to. Exactly. Okay. So 
Fazio just redid it. Right. And there is a division in the membership between the people who wanted to keep it at original Rainer and the the people who really love what it is. And um I'd have to say that you know Fazio did a great job with the golf course. Um he definitely put his little twist on it. You know, the fact that it was taken away from its original design and it's um got some pretty significant Rainer characteristics that have been taken out as far as the the Beeritz, the Redan, um, you know, those types of 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 holes, you know, that he he, he has in in each of his in each of his courses that he designs. Uh, I would like to have seen those properly restored. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Fazio would. He, he obviously didn't feel like he wanted to do that. He wanted to put his little twist on it. Uh, I wish. I wish I was able I don't to need see those. it before. I, I, yeah. Ah, oh, gosh. If you ever play, um, but what, what do you think about the uh, the short course, the the Mike Strance? Gosh, Mike Strance is such a genius. That's the only Mike Strance course I've ever played. And when I played a GE, yeah, when I played, gosh, when I played uh, um, short course for the for the only the only time I ever played, I played with my friend uh, John Cavalier, also known as uh, Lynx Gems on uh, Instagram, and um, the guy personal a friend of the program, yeah, the guy is a, a, um, an absolute maniac, and um, uh, he's played a bunch of strands courses, and he knows a lot about um, some of his, some of his d- design work. And I had heard so much about it, and I wanted to play this short course so bad. And it was a crazy stormy day. We had played uh, the Dunes course in the morning, and we were trying to get out and get as many hole, as many holes as possible in on the shore. And we got to like the seventh or eighth hole and just started pouring. <laughs> just we we finished, but it wasn't it wasn't very good. It was ugly. Yeah, it was very ugly. But uh, we saw we saw the holes. We walked them, and um, uh, it's the best usage of dunes, natural dunes, and flat ground. That is interesting. I've ever that I've ever seen. Like the whole course is really flat, except for the first tee shot, and like the the second tee shot's a little bit blind, kind of over a hill. Once you get out on the fourth hole, the whole rest of the golf course is completely flat, <laughs> just through the dunes, and yeah. the way that they're, you, but you're actually actually hitting some blind shots on par fives because you, you can either carry it over a spot of dunes to you know another part of the fairway, or you can you know play a safe shot and have longer into the green. You know, there's so many different little ways to play it. Uh, the pros destroy it, but for um, you know the members and the average golfer. It's very, very, very interesting. Very fun golf course. Hmm. It's not very photogenic because it's so flat, but uh, it's the, the usage of the dunes and the dog legs in the greens are very, very fun course. And Mike Strands is a genius, and it's very sad that he passed away. He's a G, dude. He lived on the golf course for two years in a trailer. It's dope. Very, very dope. He has another course in the Bay Area. Uh, I think Silver Creek Valley. 
Oh, that's his. No, he he like did a like a a, a redo on it. Yeah, a redo on it. Oh, that place is funky. I heard. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to know. No, never played it. Um, but in San Ho, Tobacco Road is is one course like high on my bucket list. That like golf course looks like a lot of fun. I know it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Isn't it kind of the Carolina Sandbelt as well? Yeah, it's kind of out there. I think <laughs> they have. It looks like you know greens are in the middle of dunes out there. It's it's kind of intense. Looks pretty epic. I I, I want to play that real bad. <laughs> yeah, that real yeah, bad. That shit looks fucking awesome. So much so much golf to play still. I'm so excited about it. Oh, so great. What what's uh what's still at the top of your your bucket list? The courses that you want to play that you haven't played yet. Anything in New York, everything and anything in New York. Some Philly stuff too. Um, that's the first thing I need to hit up before I get too get caught up in life itself and everything else that that takes over. Um, I'm definitely gonna gonna go the New York route. Try to do you know Shinnecock and National and see if we can get all those get all those places covered. I think that would probably be the best way to go. Seminole, that's on the list. Seminole would be fantastic. Seminole's the other one that's and stream song, the stream song courses. Those 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 kind of hit home. And uh, I still haven't played Abandon. We we're talking about that. Yeah, man, you know, that know, that's one that you really. I know you're very upset about me. Upset with me about that. So as someone who has actually met Tom Doak, I mean that's his. I know. To me, that's like his seminal work. Yeah. <laughs> you really, you really got to get up there, man. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I, I mean, he's got two golf courses up there. At least he didn't give me a hard time for not going and playing them. I mean, that that just shows you like how like. Did did he? Did you tell him you hadn't played there? No, no, we didn't even talk about him. We didn't even talk about him at all. For him, it's just like whatever, dude. I'm just not playing golf courses. Uh, I think he's just so tired <laughs> of being asked questions that, uh, you know, once, and, and plus, once you get him going on like uh, another little tangent, we were talking about, you know, just bunkering, and I was asking him tons of questions about, you know, uh, a lot of the other courses, you know, that he's done, um, just kind of like in the. I, I mean, I, we didn't even touch on, on Bandon really. A little bit, but it was, it was more, just kind of on the surface base where like, he had some involvement where he was he was he was gonna work on on a couple of other courses and things kind of fell through and and other uh, other people got hired, so we kind of steered away from some of that conversation. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. Unfortunate for some people. <laughs> well, most of the most of the work he's doing is is in China. I mean, most of the work is overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, people just aren't building golf courses all over around place. here. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of good architects. You know, you got Gil Hans. You got Core Crenshaw. You know, uh, you got you got Doak. You know, you got Trent Jones and you got Kyle these Phillips. guys that are doing yeah Kyle Phillips. And you got all these guys that are doing these redos and. Keith Foster and Brian Silva and Mike, Mike DeVries. Mike DeVries, exactly. Um just just the just the whole crew of guys who are, you know, restoring classic golf courses and, you know, trying to build original golf courses, which is definitely the hardest thing to do. It's crazy in the like, United States. The th- thing that's a bummer is that 
I wish some guys like this had been around in like the late 90s, early 2000s when people were building golf courses and they had built some of them because I think they would have survived. During a time where people were just building a ton of golf courses, there should have just been more good architects around to take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Gosh. You know, like... Some of these guys, some of these guys did. I mean, Doak, Doak built, Doak built, he's built 36 golf courses. And some of them he's built are back east. Uh, he built uh, Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that was, I th- he said that was one of the last courses he actually basically built himself. He was in the dozer personally moving dirt. And, uh, you know, that's that's something to be said about a golf course that, you know, you got one of the most world-renowned golf architects in a dozer you know, moving around dirt, building greens, forming greens. I mean, I walked around that place with him, and he's like staying there looking at the greens and being like, yeah, I, I made this green with a bulldozer. And that is just, that's that's pretty cool. It's pretty Tempt. cool to kind of be, you know, in the presence of, 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 that, of that conversation and someone that actually, you know, did that work. Um, it's pretty rare for a big architect to really, really do that much at all anymore. Yeah, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of golf courses that were built, but a lot of them never survived, and a lot of them didn't have any notoriety. So the ones that did that did survive and uh, are 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 gaining, you know, some uh, some some notoriety. Or uh, it's 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 great to see. Great to see. There was a lot of golf courses built that just weren't very good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Adobe Creek. <laughs> I'm sorry, I said that. It was like here's the worst part. It's like it actually wasn't a very good golf course, but it was better some than some other not very good golf courses. Yeah, it was. <laughs> the seventh hole is probably the stupidest hole. In well, you just don't know how to play it, man. Gosh, I hate that hole so much, dude. It's, it's easy. Now it's easy for me because I'm a good player. <laughs> because I just hit five iron off the tee. <laughs> And hit like a seven iron, yeah. but like <laughs> when you're when you're a twenty year old kid, like how can you get yourself to actually control your distance? You you can't do it. And then you're, uh, I think, I think at like four, I think I had four iron on there, four iron hybrid, four iron. It's like a four iron hybrid off the tee, and then like you know you got, you got like a one fifty shot in, depending on how firm the fairway is. I I come that hole man and there was like five groups on the tee. And then like the next the next <laughs> hole's like the next hole's like, you know, one eighty par three, like into the wind with water on the right. It's like just, just backed the, up. It's just I mean, I think I think I, I don't just like the stacked. golf course more because you could never get around there without like just getting destroyed by, you know, seventy five people that were on the front nine. It's just it's, it does suck that it's closed. To be fair, that do you like the front nine or the back nine more? I think I like some of the holes on the front nine are kind of cool, but the back nine was back nine wasn't that bad actually. Back nine was chill, dude. Back nine some was some interesting cool. holes on the back. You know, what we used to be the back nine. This is kind of turning into like a you know an Adobe Creek tribute podcast. Exactly. Yeah, the, this is exactly where this thing needed to go. This is exactly where we wanted to end up in this in this conversation. We're talking. We're talking about what uh, Seminole, and now we're talking about Adobe Creek. 
<laughs> this is exactly where this conversation was supposed to end up. Well, <laughs> Golf Guide is based out of Sonoma County. God damn it. Yeah. We, we cover, we try to cover all of West Coast golf. We cover you know, and, and like golf in general. But, you know, hey, sometimes you got to go hyper local. You know, that, that's what the people want. <laughs> it's a wide variety we're, we're, we're going through here. It's what the people want. The people want to hear about Dobie Creek. Well, you know, somebody has to tell the story of these golf courses that once were, yeah. that no longer will be around. So it, it's up to us to catalog and chronicle these courses' existence so generations from now people can know what was. Yeah. This is, this is our job as historians. So I don't I don't apologize for what we're doing at all. No, no, no. Uh, someone is definitely listening to this and being like, God damn, I feel really bad for that guy that had to wait for five groups. I nope. feel I would Nobody's thinking that. I would <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a horrible situation. No wonder that golf course went under. That hole is horrible. They're thinking, oh dude, that fucking sucks. There should never be that many people on a golf <laughs> hole. No wonder that guy's upset. Uh, yeah, that's not the case. Yeah. Well, I mean I'd say like I think that would be like the the number one like if I was thinking about joining like a private course that would be my number one reason for doing so and that is to be able to like play a course that I can just play quickly all the time. Yeah, I, that, I can't tell you how spoiled I am, you know, for just being able to be around you know people that are involved in 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 private golf or working private golf courses. Just the stuff that happens at a public course is ridiculous i mean today i was at the range at at rooster run and um i mean just the questions that are are, are being asked like there are 14 kids on the range with with ball pickers picking up the range and a guy walks up and he says is the range closed and i was like wow man like not only would this never happen at a private course but it is very clear that in front of you there's a range closed sign a range closed sign on the range and then there's the range littered with 15 kids with ball pickers damn like, is this place closed <laughs> <laughs> and then while i was staying there talking to my golf coach three more people came up and asked the same question because they were <clears throat> so mortified that they couldn't hit golf balls i mean at a private club they just be like oh like sorry i'll see you tomorrow in, mo- in most cases, <laughs> in most cases, so there, there, there is always one guy that, that's got to hit golf balls. <laughs> they always find that guy is going to storm into the golf shop and be like, "Ah, I, I, I'm paid good money to be a member here. <laughs> I want to hit golf balls right now." <laughs> yeah, but if, yeah, it's just I'm very, very spoiled. So, being able to work at a private course and be around private golf courses. Is you definitely see why people pay a lot of money to be members of this? <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Not, not only you, be a member and, and have a caddy. I mean, that's like the ultimate. Yeah. Not only do you have to not have a not have to carry your clubs. So, here's a question I have for you: as, as somebody who actually carries a bag for a living, how often do you get your own caddy? Oh yeah. Um, how often is somebody carrying your bag? If I travel. You know, if I travel to a course that I really want to play, that they have caddies only. I mean, I'm I'm taking a caddy. I'm a guest. Um, So when I went to Chicago last year, we had caddies at a bunch, a couple of places. Okay. Um, So yeah, I'll take them. I'll tip them well. You know, I appreciate the work. 
you know, if you're an idiot, you know, I'll still take care of you decently. But you know, it 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 sucks to have to have shitty caddies, and I definitely support the program. But um, I'll take one for sure every time I can. I, but I'll definitely enjoy someone that's gonna know the golf course and hmm. appreciate someone who knows the golf course more than someone who's just a a, a, a bag toter, hmm. so to speak. Yeah, yeah not just a. But even though being a, a young bag kid, jockey. yeah, being a young kid, you know, in, in your thirties, most time you show up at a golf course, other caddies are looking at you like you're not going to be a good loop. You're not going to be someone that's going to pay. Um, so I, I, I mean, I, I try to not stick to that stereotype. I try, I try to take care, you know, of the caddies that I have. Um, it's definitely experience. It's, it's I'm great. A caddy, I'm a, I'm a caddy, you know, myself. So do you feel like you play better when you have a caddy on your back? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially if it's someone that I trust. Uh, you, you can tell with a guy if they, if they know if they, if they're kind of trying to figure out your game or if they if they know the golf course at all. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely helps your game, big time. Well, shoot, this is yeah, awesome. Yeah, let's we we can we can call it. Yeah, do what, it, what, what else? Some other time. Anything else on your mind, golf wise? Not much, man. Uh, I just love Sonoma County. Sonoma County's been good to me. Uh, it's a good spot. I won the Sonoma County Am last year. That was awesome for me. I really wanted to win that tournament. Just playing foxtail for so many years and uh is that where it's located at yeah yeah two-day events foxtail both uh, both days in north course yeah both days in north course get the, get the greens running like 14 get them zooming um yeah it was a lot of fun and just you know playing in the, the center of the city every year it's just it's great man There's some really great tournaments up here i learned to play my best golf um you know, at Rooster, you know, my coach, Dave Johnson, he's there. Um, yeah, this this place is, I, I, I can definitely almost call it home. It's been good to you. Yeah, it's been great to me. <laughs> well, it's awesome, man. I, I like it, too. Yeah, it gets tough. Yeah, the whole Bay Area is good. You know, all West Coast, it's all, it's all pretty good out here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough one, to find it's a bad the, spot. Yeah, it's one of the best options for golf courses, too. I mean, there's not much down the peninsula. Yeah. Gosh, you got nothing. Yeah, it's but public public golf wise, it is kind of crazy. There's like almost no public golf on the peninsula. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, forgot to put that in there. There's no public golf. There's like no public golf. I mean, like you got a couple in the city that are actually pretty good, or at least could be good. Yeah, that's it. it like circles back to because like I had a couple of people on the, the podcast recently that were like related to Sharp Park, which yeah. I was asking about earlier. Yeah. You know, they're like trying to restore it. Yeah, and kind of like return to like the as close to the, the McKenzie course as you know it was. Mm-hmm. If that happens, that could be pretty groovy because the whole point is to do it with keeping the green fees at like $40 or less. That'd be so amazing. And like peak, you know, peak weekends and stuff. Like it's still like a cheap everyman's golf course. That golf course would be so cool if someone just stepped up and dropped some money and just made it something that was fun for the community. Well, the city of San Francisco is funding it. And the, the San Francisco Public Golf Alliance is funding money to try to put it together to restore it that's just gonna be great and uh jay uh, blasey the guy who, who did, did most of the work for chambers bay yeah 
And then also Stanford uh, stuff, right? Yeah, Stanford stuff. I think he did like, is it Santa Ana Country oh, yeah. Club down in oh, yeah, Orange Santa County? Yeah, that's really good. He just, he just did the redo down there. Yeah. Um, all of it was pretty awesome, and so yeah. he's been tasked with uh, being the, kind of the go-to guy for the restoration at Sharp Park to return it to like the Mackenzie Golf Course. That's great. If that happens, that would be dope. Oh man. Oh, Imagine like an 18 hole in Northwoods, like right on the beach. <laughs> it could be short like that too. Like they, it they, would. they don't have to make it like a, you know, 7,000 yard golf course. They could have it be a McKenzie, like 6,200 yard golf course. That'd be awesome. Most of his, and most of his golf courses are 66, 6,500 yards anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all, they've all, they're all kept original. I mean, none yeah. of them, I mean, crystal 6,500. Yeah, Cypress is sixty-five. Poss is sixty-five. It's a long they're sixty-five. All, they're all the same. They all play long. <laughs> they're they all, all long, play really they're long. All long sixty-five. They're all really long sixty-five. <laughs> <laughs> and you can put it off the green on, you know, fifty all fifty-four of those golf holes. <laughs> it's really true. It, yeah, it, it is totally you true. Know, all fifty-four of those holes, you can put uh, it off. Right off the green. That's a great point. <laughs> uh, well, maybe that's a good point uh, to end on. Yeah. What do you think, man? Good stuff, man. Uh, awesome. Thanks man. for having me on. Yeah, dude, dude. This is good. This is great. We'll, awesome. I'll time. be back. We'll we'll touch up on some other crap we'll, we'll come up with. I'm really happy I was able to pull myself together and you know. And, oh yeah. And, and just. I got you whew. real good there. You got me so good. That was fucking awesome. Uh. All right. Were, and I don't think you were expecting it either. I. I should have. I should have. All right. Take care, everybody. Indeed. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Uh, one more opportunity to remind you guys to please visit golfguide.net. We've actually got a new website coming out in a month that is going to be super kick ass. So be on the lookout for that golfguide.net. And then also, just another reminder to visit our friends at Seamus Golf at uh, SeamusGolf.com. Promo code GOLFGUIDE15. Save 15%. Get some cool crap. <laughs> Stuff's awesome. All right. In the meantime, everybody, we'll be back next week. I've got a podcast that I've been sitting on for like two or three weeks with a really awesome golf course architect who's uh, making a name for himself out here on the West Coast. Not as if he's not already internationally known. So um, that'll be very cool coming next week, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. But in the meantime, have a great week. Have a wonderful weekend. Go Warriors, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.